Welcome to Tramlines, a podcast from Agri. I'm your host, Tony Smith, putting your questions to the experts. Today, we are at Groundswell 2023 here in Hertfordshire. And I'm joined by Amy Watkins, Sustainability Manager with Agri, Steve Corbett, Trials Manager with Agri, Simon Weaving from Weaving Machinery, and Oliver Harris, who farms in Dorset. A key topic of discussion here today is around organic matter. Why is it so important? What are we trying to achieve? How are we going to get there? And how do we benchmark and measure our organic matter levels? So Amy, let's start with you. Um, Everybody's talking about organic matter and organic matter testing, but let's start with that question, why is organic matter so important when it comes to regen farming? Well, thinking first about what organic matter is, it's essentially the various rates of decomposition of different animal and plant residues in the soil. So we have humus, which is the most decomposed element, and then we have plant roots, which is probably from the last year's stubble, for example, which is less decomposed. The importance of organic matter, I mean, there's lots of different reasons why organic matter is so important. The first one being around the increased water retention. So when we have those dry periods in the summer months, it helps to retain water when we do get those but also with infiltration as well so when we do get those lots of rainfall in the winter too then it helps to infiltrate that water through the profile and as we know with water moves nutrients so where we have water going through the profile or retaining that also helps with nutrient retention which is of course really important for the growing crop needless to say as well there's also the whole climate change factor there as well so as we improve organic matter it helps us to offset what we are emitting into the atmosphere as well Thanks, Amy. And, and Oliver, as a farmer, you know, I'm really interested in your perspective. Why is organic matter important to you and obviously, more importantly, to the crops that you're growing? Um, I think really it sort of comes down to resilience uh, and, and risk management to a certain extent. I mean, we're as farmers, we're, we're out there trying to do the best for, our, for ourselves and the future generations. And we're trying to do that in climates that are changing drastically at the minute. So it, it's trying to have a consistent yields that that you can budget for um that that we can uh that we can maintain um so i think that's really the importance of organic matter to me is building a a resilient strong business and that starts from the soil and and a strong business is is so important of course isn't it Uh, steve from your perspective in terms of measuring organic matter how do we go about doing that well Something that's occurred to us certainly in the last six months as we've got uh, uh, in more detail looking at the direct drilling. Um, as we go shallower, in fact indeed as we go into a direct drill system, the organic matter buildup is in the top layer essentially in that initial phase. And the concern I have is in trying to get a measurement of organic matter, which is critical, um, we will miss the build-up, the very early phase, if we're not careful, because if we're doing our standard 300 whatever sampling, we've gone down through the top layer where the build-up is, we're not moving that, we're not disturbing that, that is building up nicely, but we'll miss it. So we're looking now at a system where we can take the profile, photograph it, and then dissect it into the layers to accurately see where that organic matter is and indeed where it's building up because if I've got an organic matter of four or five in my top layer but actually underneath that I'm still at my 1.9 whatever I started with I still got a problem and maybe that then just needs a little bit of mixing to help it Um, for me 
you know, I think that's important to know where that organic matter is. Sure, and I guess by understanding where that organic matter is, you, you can then do something different and something about it. You can make that next decision, that next step, you know, whether it be a low disturbance leg, whether it be a, a shallow cultivator, whatever, just to get you through that next phase. It's piece by piece, step by step, I think, is, is how it has to be. Sure, and, and Simon, to, to bring you in here, um, in terms of machinery and choice of machinery, how important is that to get that right? Um, I think it, I think it's very important, and the main thing is you don't get um, caught out, and you don't take too many steps too far. Um, I think if you've been on a heavy plough-based system and you want to go more uh, regenerative or low disturbance farming, you still need to move a little bit of soil, um, mineralise the soil around the seed. So you might start off um, with a tine, um, whether it's a thin 12 mil. Um, sort of sabre tine like we do or you might go down the sort of strip tillage route more like a Claydon drill or something like that and then you've got other customers that will go I'm going to go whole hog and then they'll go down the disc route whether it's RGD drill um, a horse or a John Deere or something like that. Sure and, and from that point of view what I'm hearing is that it's very very specific to every farm the soil type they've got what they're trying to achieve so uh, coming along to a, an amazing event like Groundswell I guess it's, it's important to be able to see these machines in action and start to see what's going to work for your farm. Yeah, it is. Um, and if you look at our business, for example, we've got maps um, on, a, on a system where we look at what areas have tines versus what areas have discs. And we've got a lot more disc drills down in the south of England. Uh, if you take somewhere like Northamptonshire, our drill market there is basically just tine drills. Um, sabre tines. They started out 10 years ago with our old-fashioned weaving tine drill which was a cultivator drill and now they've moved on to the sabre tine which is less disturbance, better seed placement and, and they're moving forward. Whether in the next four or five years that county will move on to a direct disc drill I don't know but I think you also have to take into consideration that the seasons we either get a really wet back end uh, and you can't get on the ground and then everyone rushes out, buys a tine drill and gets a corn in, or we have a dry one and then we have a wet spring. And also, if you're doing a lot of spring drilling, and what I've seen when I've been around demonstrating and going on farms, when it comes to spring drilling, is the land can be a little bit sad, whereas that might just lend itself a little bit more to a tine drill, where it will move that bit of soil around the seed, whereas a disc drill might just lift it up tuck the seed underneath and then you can pack it down a bit too tight and then it's slow to come up. And Steve, I, I can see you nodding here. What are you thinking? Flexibility, okay? If we move into a new system, we need the flexibility to be go, able to go left and right. We talk about these weather events. We're talking of tons and tons of water at times in these big, big rainfall events. And we see things like the silt shifting, settling in clay, then it becomes impossible for roots to penetrate. So that's not because we've done something wrong. It's the weather events that we're having to deal with. So flexibility, the, the type of kit you've got, to me, is key. Yeah, great, great advice. And, and, and Oliver, from your perspective, what are you using on your farm? What's working well for you? So uh, we've been sort of in the regen uh, system now for, for, for 12 years. Um, and we started uh, strip tilling. Uh, with a strip till system which has probably helped us 
uh, to naturally go in to more of a disc. We now run a disc drill. That transition has been made easier, I think, probably by, by, by having the time drill for a period of time. But then they've all got their pros and their cons because you've got tr issues with trash clearance. We're all trying to build organic matter, so we're, so we're chopping straw or, and we're dealing with cover crops. So then you've got to pick a drill that will cope in those conditions. So everything's so uh, interrelated from, from soil biology all the way to... To, to, to mechanically what we're trying to do so it's such a, a fine balance that we're trying to find with everything we're doing here yeah no good getting that balance is what i'm hearing hey but can we just come back to our purpose here what we're trying to achieve where are we actually trying to get to in terms of organic matter levels so it depends on what soil type you're on if you're on a sandier soil you're probably going to be getting a lower organic matter level than if you're on a clay soil and that aim will flex is flexible depending on what soil type you're on however saying that the the importance of soil organic matter is probably more important on a sandier siltier soil where that soil type can't restructure as easily as you have with the clay soil so although a higher organic matter is probably possible on a clay soil it's probably not so important as it is for those sandier and siltier soils that can't naturally restructure by themselves and need that organic matter level to actually help them restructure, um, help them support bi biology as well and retain nutrients. Ultimately you're aiming for an organic matter level probably around the three to five percent mark where we're over in the eastern counties where perhaps they maybe have sometimes been more arable based um, where they are more intensively cultivated in some areas it will be lower but the potential for it to get higher is greater. And for you um Oliver, you know, do you know what your organic matter levels are at the moment across your farm? Yeah, so we, we did some pretty thorough work with the help of Agri um, and did some, uh, some proper comprehensive soil health work. And I only did that uh, last, well, this, this winter. Um, so that's probably one of my biggest regrets that I didn't, didn't do this when we started the journey, uh, you know, 12 years ago. But uh, at least we've now got a line in the sand. So we're, we're looking at basically uh, with the Dunbass method of between 5 and 6% on on the majority of the fields and then on some of the sandier fields we're, we're down to three percent it's really interesting you said you you regret not having done that that you know some while ago it, interesting how could it have helped you to have had that benchmark you know a few years ago we are results driven ultimately more interesting period will come now in sort of three or four years time when i go back uh, and i can see what i've been achieving within that period of, period of time and then i can uh, adapt at that point um, but but at this stage i don't think the snapshot in the sand that i that i took 6 months ago helps helps me at all at this stage it, it's just a nice number but what does it mean listen to tramline's number one podcast digging into soil organic matter with professor andy neal soil microbiologist from rothamsted where he explores what we mean by soil organic matter and why it is so important to understand when it is influencing the availability of nutrients and water in our soils. Link in podcast bio. So Steve, uh, just in terms of understanding what levels are critical when it comes to organic matter and what we can do to improve them, can you share your thoughts on that? Sure, we've got a farm that um, we were taken on um, a couple of, well, four years ago now. What became very, very obvious, the field we were working in, um, was not performing. Uh, the crop performance was very, very low. Um, and when we, we took the initial sort of digs, uh, looked down at plant roots, it was very obvious we had a limitation at, at around two, three inches. Uh, the plant roots had stopped. We got water logging there at that point. The next thing we did was took out and, and looked at the, uh, the organic matter within that layer. And we were below two. It's around about 1.9, which to me is too low. It's a combination then of 
the silt had settled, the organic matter was low, the crop wasn't performing, I'd got water logging, so actually all of those points now need addressing. How quickly we could address them, of course, um, to us was, was the important point. And if I said within four years, we've indeed turned that field around now to a productive field, because what we've done is we've addressed the organic matter, looking at which particular item would build it most rapidly. Um, things like a grass within that system, uh, in this case it was Westerwold ryegrass, but that essentially within the rotation, taking silage cuts, etc. That, in combination with sewage cake, returning straw layers, has given us a two-fold increase. So we're now at, rather than the 1.9, we're at about 2.8, where we've done um, that, that organic matter, inc or got that organic matter increase. The other thing we've done is crack the silt, so we've stopped the silt, we've undone the silt problem, so we've now got a layer that the roots can get through. And importantly, we've got drainage. So organic matter, of course, is an important point in all of this, but actually it's the whole cycle of events. And guess what? The one thing as well not to forget is what's the margin? Where have we got to? We might have improved organic matter, we might have made some differences, but what's my margin now? What's my business actually doing in terms of margin? And Oliver, we were talking about that just before we started, you know, yield performance on your farm. What have you noticed as you've gone through this transition? We didn't notice a huge yield reduction at all. If, in fact, no, no yield reduction, no yield hit for us at all. Now, whether that's because we were already part way down the system, not I don't know. Um, but I think the biggest thing for us was attention to detail. We're, we're a smaller farm. I think we were able to keep our eye on the ball. And I think when you're direct drilling, you get like one shot at putting the seed in the ground. Um, it's not so forgiving as conventional farming. So you, you just have to keep your eye on the ball all the time. Um, variety choice is more crucial than ever. Um, all of your you know your input choices uh, are more crucial than ever keeping uh, monitoring slugs pests uh, it, it's it's attention to detail i think is is can, what really helps successful no-till farmers do what they're doing so simon i, I can see you're, you're pondering a thought there what's on your mind well we're just having a discussion about um building organic matter up but what happens about the farmers who are maybe on the fens or something who have got too much organic matter? Anyone's thoughts? Well, it's, it's a good point because if you have too much organic matter, as we, as we know, we get issues with nutrient lock-up as well. Um, and we get issues with all sorts of problems with you know, how, how you address that. And you've got to pay attention to those finer details, like your nutrients, like what, what is happening in that soil profile that might affect your crop production. And we get a lot of questions that as well around, you know, carbon management for sequestering carbon. They can't go anywhere if they've got really high organic matter. How do you expect them to improve it if they already are at that level? Um, and yeah, we can't go and say they've got to improve it if it's already 20% because you're not going to get any more than that. But what we are trying to say is you, you're going to be targeted as somebody that can't deplete that. Yeah. So in that case, it probably actually becomes more about maintenance, not building, but maintenance and monitoring really closely what's happening to those nutrients in the soil that could affect your crop growth there. Uh, Simon brings up a good point. Steve, what's your thoughts? So you, you mentioned about lockup, of course, herbicides, that sort of thing, uh, all become an issue in those very high organic or can be. So the important point, again, is knowing where it is, what that level is again. So it does come back to our testing point, I think, at least if I know 
that I'm at a level where I'm likely to get issues, I can work around that. And certainly when it comes to the working of those type of soils, and I live out that way uh, and see it as well with the vegetable growers, etc. out there, you know, the overworking of those soils is really where they become unstuck in terms of then you're pushing in front of machinery, the soil, etc. So it's leaving a firmer base, which actually I think does lend back to some of this direct drilling or less intensive approach, uh, Simon. I don't know what your thoughts are, but... Uh, yeah, I, I think it is. It's just... I just wanted to bring it in there because it, everyone says, oh, my soil's really hard and heavy and it's really hard to work, but sometimes it can go the other way where you've got black, light, fluffy soils, gust of wind and it's all down the road. It's all things that you have to take into um, consideration. It's up to customer at the end of the day. We have got some time drills working on blacker soils, but it's mainly um, distros. Sure. And, and Oliver, down in Dorset, it, uh, what's your greatest challenge when it comes to organic matter on your farm? Um, the sand content, I'd say, on, 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 on some of it, it's, it takes a lot more effort to build organic matter in the, in the sands uh, than it does on, on, on the clays. Uh, trying to find manures wherever we can, uh, but then it's incorporating that into what is a winter rotation. Uh, so we're winter cropping, so we haven't got the opportunity to use huge amounts of cover crops. Um, and legally, we're, we've got to be careful what we're doing with manures. Trying to, trying to build organic matter. It's not, no obvious straight silver bullet, is there? Uh, well, in terms of sharing our advice from, from today's uh, discussion, uh, let's start with you, Simon. What would be your top tip that you, you'd really like growers and listeners to take on board and, and think about, uh, particularly as they drive away from groundswell here today? It's very, very important that the farm keeps running the way it is. Everyone's got to make money. Don't jump too far and then you have to come four paces back to go again. Yeah, great advice. Steve, you're nodding, you're thinking, I can see that. What, what are your thoughts? Flexibility. Um, I don't want to end up in a cul-de-sac um, and not be able to maintain margin, uh, which sort of echoes what Simon's saying there, but I need flexibility to be able to cope with the weather events that we get. Oliver, what are you thinking? Well, I think the key thing really is that, that benchmarking uh, uh, comes back into it again. So we've just all got to know where we start. It's pointless doing 10 years in the system and at the end of the system, not knowing whether you've achieved anything better than what you were doing on your plow-based system or whatever system you run before. So if, if you're not improving the soil health and then if you're not benchmarking and, and achieving similar margins, because again, you've still got to be producing your gross margins. Um, so I, I think you've got to benchmark both. Yeah, thank you very much. And, and Amy, just to bring us back to where we started with this, this uh, discussion, with this podcast, we're talking about well, why is organic matter so important and talking about testing and the importance of testing. What message would you like to share with listeners today? Well, firstly, I'd just like to say that it's nice that somebody else is talking about benchmarking other than me on this podcast, because that is always my, tea, my, my first top tip to take away to anybody. But just picking up on Ollie's point around that benchmarking thing, there isn't a right or wrong way to be doing this. And I know there's so many methods out there to measure things like soil organic matter. The main thing and important point for anybody trying to do that is to be consistent. So whether that be with depth, sampling method, and also labs and tests that you're using, there isn't a right or wrong one to use. It's just making sure that you're consistent with whichever one you're going for. Well, thank you, Amy, Steve, Simon, and Oliver for sharing all of your valuable experience and insights. 
That's it for this podcast, but do tune in again as we meet the experts throughout the season, exploring the many immediate and longer-term questions for growers and farmers in the UK. If you have any questions that you'd like us to ask the experts, email info at agri.co.uk. See you next time.